Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 36 of Revelation chapter 21. We're continuing to look at verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth to bring their glory and honor into it. And God here is speaking of his elect that enter into the holy city, um, Jerusalem above, and he identifies them as the nations of them which are saved. The word nations is a Greek word, ethnos, that's translated as nation, uh, Gentile, people, or heathen. And it's actually um, a word that would be the equivalent to the Old Testament Hebrew word of goy or goyim. The, and the goy are in the Old Testament, that Hebrew word, which is Strong's number 1471, is also translated nations, heathen, Gentiles, and people. The same four English words as the Greek word ethnos. And so there's no question that it's the equivalent word in the Old Testament to the New Testament. And the fact that God makes reference to the promise made to Abraham that the nations, the goyim in the Old Testament, would be blessed. And then in the New Testament, he uses the Greek word ethnos to um, refer to that quote. And, and there are several examples of that, then there's no question that the Old Testament word is the equivalent to the New Testament word. And we're interested in this because, as we um, were discussing in our last Bible study, we saw that uh, God had a plan during the church age to allow wheat and tares to grow together, and then at the end of the church age, he put into motion the uh, final judgment. Judgment began at the house of God, and he opened up the Bible to reveal that his spirit had departed out of the church, and and what do God's people do? Well, we're followers. Um, we follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goes, and we hear his voice. We don't hear the voice of strangers. And we heard from the Bible, Christ is in here. So what, what does a child of God have to do with the church any longer? We, we were there for Christ, for God, not for the trappings, not for comfortable seats in the pews or, or air conditioning or fellowship with other uh, people. No, that they they were nice, that they were good things to have as long as God the Holy Spirit was in the midst. 
But once God the Holy Spirit departed out, the people of God departed out. The elect were directed come out of the church, and they did. And left behind were the the people who were professed Christians, the tares. They were not given ears to hear the voice of Christ as his true sheep were, and and therefore they didn't understand. To them, they looked around, they saw the fellowship of other believers or uh, a pastor who was reasonably faithful and so forth. That was sufficient for them. They, they, they would not leave for the um, most part. And God used that method to separate the wheat from the tares. It was a process that was carried out throughout the course of the judgment. While the judgment of God was going on in the churches and congregations, it could never be said during, and that was simultaneous with the Great Tribulation, it could never be said that now the tares and the the wheat are separated. We now know exactly who they are. No, we didn't. Even, let's say, uh, it was 2011, but before May 21, 2011, and the message had gone out for some time, get out of the churches for years. Even then, it, we couldn't know that those that came out were truly wheat, and we couldn't know that everyone that remained within the church were truly tares. Because what if we made that conclusion the next day someone in the church came out? And they were coming out all the way up until May 21, 2011. And, and, and so the final separation could never take place during the period of the judgment. It was only after the 23-year judgment on the churches was completed. And then the door shut on the world that that then it was finalized and God had made separation and distinction between the wheat and the tares. The wheat had come out, the tares remained behind and and could be bundled now. That is, the determination from the Bible could be made that these did not hearken to the voice of Christ, to the word of God, and and therefore... There was no possibility they could be saved while within the church. And now God has ended his salvation program outside the church. And and that has sealed their fate. And, And thus the bundling. And that's why at the very beginning of Judgment Day, it it was as though God took the whole corporate church body, yes, uh, about two billion in number, and threw them as one large bundle of tares into the spiritual fire of his wrath, and they were burned up. The wrath of God is upon them, um, and there was just no possibility because they were not in the place where God was saving. But, as again we were talking about last time, during the last part of the Great Tribulation, 
the about 17-year period. I say about because the latter rain began after the first 2300 evening mornings. During that first 2300 days, virtually no one was being saved um, out in the world, and, and no one at all was being saved within the congregations. But God's plan was to um, stretch forth his hand a second time and to evangelize the earth, to pour out his spirit a second time, to um, send forth a second jubilee period. And, and they're all really saying the same thing. God was going to work to save outside of the congregations now, within the nations of the world. The, the Gentiles, within the nations, the word of God would go forth from without the church. The church was no longer being used, no longer represented God, God no longer um, gave them the command to go into the world it, it 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 was all over and done with with the end of the church age but now the people of god would use the electronic medium that god raised up to broadcast and proclaim the information god unsealed to the nations of the world located outside of the churches and congregations and much seed began to fall on the nations. The nations were the um, the ground. That they were the soil that the word of God, the spiritual word, was being sown and planted upon the hearts of men. That's when we read of sowing the the word of God in the Bible. It, the the ground is always the hearts of men. And and it, it, it was an abundance of seed that was sown. An abundance of scripture. The word of God went around the world and, and covered the earth as the waters cover the sea. And uh, it was being blanketed every day, many hours of the day. The, the scriptures were being read. The scriptures were being taught faithfully like never before in history. The nations were the arena, the focal point where the word of God was being uh, declared and sown. And over the course of the last part of the Great Tribulation, 6,100 days, which is a period that's almost 17 years from September 1994 until May 21, uh, in 2011, over that time, the word of God was strewn all across the whole earth. And God saved the great multitude of people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so he had his people now in the world or amongst the nations of the world. They became saved in the uh, the region of the Gentiles. And, of course, even though God saved the great multitude, which 
um, could have been tens of millions of people. We we're, we can't really be sure how many it is. We do know from the language of the Bible it was more than ever before in history. And, and God saved this large number of people over a relatively short span of time of about 17 years. But it also meant that the vast majority of people of the world did not become saved, yet they were now the recipients of having heard the word of God. Because God made the world the the uh, place where he was um, keying in on or where the gospel was uh, uh, zeroing in on was the world outside of the churches. And once again, just as within the church over the 1955 years of the church age, we we have an area where there were saved and unsaved alike. Now, though, it's in the world. The Gentiles of the world were uh, mixed. They, they had uh, received the word of God and a and, uh, great multitude were saved, but really only a remnant out of the whole. And yet they were mixed together in the nations of the world. And what's God going to do about that? What's he going to do about that? Now, first, before we um, look uh, in, into a scripture where God tells us what he's going to do about that, let's once again show from the Bible that there's really only two nations. There, there's always been only two nations. We understand that when it comes to kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of darkness. We understand that. But with this word nations, we haven't had as clear an understanding as I think that we can have now. If we go to Genesis chapter 25, we find that um, Rebekah, who was the wife of Isaac, had... Uh, been granted conception, uh, and and she had twins, twins in the womb, and we read in Genesis twenty five verse twenty two, and the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of Jehovah, and Jehovah said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated. From thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And uh, these are the children, Jacob and Esau. And God tells us elsewhere, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated. The two nations, the loved or beloved nation, and the hated nation, the nation of saved and the nation of unsaved. Jacob would represent the nations of them which are saved, as we we read in Revelation 21-24. Esau would represent 
the nations of the world. As, remember, we read in Luke chapter 12, verse 30, For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. That's the two nations that have been in this world since the fall. There's the nation of those that are saved and the nations of the world. That's it. There, there's no other nations. Of course, we know uh, politically or in the natural world, there's many different nations. But as far as spiritually, as far as the Bible's concerned, there's two nations only. And there's uh, the nation of the saved and the nations of the world. Look at First Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter 2, and verse 9, it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And this is speaking of the elect. The elect are a holy nation. Um, uh, also go to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, and we can look at the Old Testament word for nation or Gentile equally as we're looking at the New Testament word. In Isaiah 26, verse 2, Open ye the gates, and the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. That, that of course, uh, the righteous nation are those made righteous by the obedience of one, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his righteousness is our covering, making us the people of God, the righteous nation. This is the nation Jacob typified, and those that are not righteous are the nation that Esau typified. The nation of the saved are holy, and they are righteous. And we can say, uh, the opposite about the other nation. It, it's unholy and unrighteous. Uh, it is the nation of sinners, everyone that is not truly born again, that has never been saved. Now, another verse, if we go to Revelation chapter 15, Revelation 15, and uh, here God is speaking of the saints, um, the end of verse 3 says, Just and true are thy ways, thou king of saints. And verse 4, Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. I'm finding it's really been helpful to go through the Bible and to look at um, all the verses where God speaks of nations or Gentiles, and and there's many of them, and then to look at it in the light of two nations, the nations of them that are saved or the nations of the world. Well, all nations shall come and worship before thee. And who would that be? Who of these two nations will present themselves to God and worship the nations of them which are saved. So we 
we see, and it really helps us to understand because formerly we could have had the idea, well, this is indicating, uh, because we know Revelation 15 is dealing with Judgment Day, that this is indicating the nations themselves will come to God. And that is, we're thinking the people of the world. But no, it's the nations of them that are saved. Now, let's let's keep that in mind. The two nations. The two nations, as we take a look at Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. And verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation. And... I know I've read that, and and oh, I'm sure many of us have read that, and, and we've maybe had that thought. Oh, is this the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan? Well, we we should have been uh, sure, and, and now we can say, yes, um, yes, it is, referring to the nation of them that are saved and the nations of the world, or the nation of Christ and the nation of Satan. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Which is just repeating the same thing. So nation of Jacob against the nation of Esau. The long-standing spiritual battle rages on. And and so we, we can see what God is saying. Now, um, let's also... In Matthew, go to Matthew chapter 28. And this has really been helpful to me to read these verses uh, again uh, in, in the light of the verse in Revelation 21. In Matthew 28, it's the concluding chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Christ is um, going to issue forth the Great Commission, the Great Commission that churches have followed throughout the church age, that God's people have followed throughout history since it was given. And yet, let's take a look at the Great Commission. It says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, did, did you notice how that can be understood and, and perhaps how we have been misunderstanding it? When God says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, I know I have thought it means go into the world Go to China if possible, go to India, go to Africa, go to Chile and Peru and Bolivia and Canada. Go everywhere to all nations, literally, right? Uh, the, uh, the nations may change their names over time, but whatever name they have, go to all nations. And no, no, that's not what it's saying. Christ is speaking to his people and he's saying, Go ye therefore and teach the elect. Teach the nations of them which are saved. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations. As we read in Revelation 21-24. Now, let me just um, read that again. In Revelation 21-24. And the nations of them which are saved. Go teach all nations of them which are saved. And who is the saved but the elect only. And then the continuing statement, uh, or as the verse continues on, confirms that's what Christ had in mind. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And who is them referring to? It's referring back to all nations. All nations are to be taught. All nations are to be baptized. And we have read that, go into all the world, and uh, of those people that respond, uh, of the nations, will baptize them, uh, really a portion of the nations, is how we have been understanding this. And... Of course, the churches have misunderstood it completely to think it must be water baptism, the ceremonial sign that, that they must go into the nations and make converts and have them come to church so they can be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But baptism, if we go over to Mark 16. Now, Mark 16 actually is different than Matthew 28 because God is um, telling us to go into the creation, into the world. In other words, he's um, filling us in. Uh, He's helping us understand that in order to teach all nations and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, it will be necessary to go into all the world. But but that's a, a entirely different thing than thinking that the command is to go into the world and that that is our call, that we, we're called to enter into the world and we're called to have people come to us so we can baptize them with water. No, the command is... Go out into the world and find the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember what Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman who wanted him to heal her daughter that was grievously vexed with the devil? In Matthew chapter 15, in verse 23, But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the Father sent the Son. The Son sends us, the children of God, into the world. And and who are we sent to? Go ye into all the nations and teach them baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We are sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, 
only, exclusively, the purpose of missions, of going out into the world with the gospel in the day of salvation, was to seek out the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We were sent to them. But, of course, we didn't know who they were. That's where Mark 16 comes into view. As we read in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And here this is a companion scripture to help us better understand Matthew 28. Yes, you will need to go to all the nations and throw your seed on many hearts because you don't know which ones are the lost sheep, which ones are the elect. But actually, we are sent to the elect. We are sent to the nations of them that are saved. And... We, we are to teach them and baptize them. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.